Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I am one of your hosts. I am an author, a journalist, and ethros demon, Philip Ellis. <laughs> My name is Zachary Patton Garcia. And I'm Ian Carlos Crawford. And today we are joined by a lovely guest who has been on SlayerFest numerous times. He is a filmmaker and co-host of the horror podcast Midnight Mass. Michael Verratti. Hi, Michael. Hi, everyone. So you've already given us your Buffy origin. We do that all the time. Um, can you give us your angel origin? Like, how did you, do you remember how you came to the show or did you just watch it because it was a Buffy spinoff? Oh, my angel origin. Well, it was 1312 and no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I watched a lot of Buffy in real time. And so when Angel was spun off after season two and... Uh, no, yeah, after season three, rather. When Angel was spun off, I uh, I became interested because I just had three years of Buffy in my life. And right. uh, I will all, I freely admit that the first half of season one, I was like, oh no. I remember like it just didn't grab me right away that the way that Buffy did. Yeah. Um, but I did stick with it, uh, which I would never do now. So I like gay teenage me. Um, <laughs> And uh, it ended up becoming a fave, and I love it in many ways as much of, as I love Buffy. Although I will say I love them different. Yes, I I feel like that's that's an accurate like loving them differently because I do I do like think of Angel in the same vein as Buffy. Like I'm like oh I love them both, and Angel becomes a favorite mostly because it's in that universe. But I love them differently. It's like the the way we relate to our best girlfriends versus our best straight guy friends. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 a good yeah. Um so today we're here to talk about the Exorcism episode of Angel Season One, I've Got You Under My Skin. Um, which is a weird title. I don't understand why that's the title of the episode. I don't know, is anyone considering they didn't even use the song. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, it's, it's a reference to the song, but it doesn't play it's in. It's just funny that there's also an episode of Charmed with the same title that also didn't use the song. Um, oh, really? <laughs> and I, I, I think it's just like, I mean, the demon, I suppose, is literally under the little boy's skin. But um, yeah, it's mm. like some of the some of the episodes like names in season one are either overthought or underthought, like Somnambulist <laughs> and the, the Prodigal. Um, yeah, and it's it's like mm, we could have given that an extra pass. But um, it's, <laughs> it's basically uh, the Exorcist colon the TV movie. Yeah, 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 and uh, I'm I, I I'm surprised at how, for the most part, well it holds up. Yes, I would say right because you know, and Philip, you just recorded you. We've recorded a couple of clunkers the last few days, <laughs> a few weeks. Um, and I do think, yeah, overall, this episode, like, I don't like love it, but it's they're getting there, right? Like, they, I feel like this balances the 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 misdirect with the dad is stupid, but that only lasts like ten minutes. Um. And I do think this episode, like, they're getting there. Like, this is like, okay, we've got the dynamic there. Um, Zach, I am curious what you thought of this episode. I really liked it, actually. Oh, um, I I usually like an exorcism storyline anyway. Those are, mm -hmm. you know, that's uh, among my favorite genre of horror movie. Um, and I, I think this is what I've wanted from this show for as long as we've been watching this season and the episodes <laughs> I've already seen, like I, yeah, I can't really be surprised by the episodes I've already seen. So I like the whole tone of this, this episode. I like, um, Angel feels like a hero to me in this episode too. Like I, I, it, he sells it. Um, so it was a, it's a good one. That makes me very happy to hear Zach. Cause last yeah. night when you said to me, like, 
oh, well, it's an exorcism episode. It'll be good. I was like, oh, God, I don't think it's that good. <laughs> I was like, very worried. I mean, uh, it's it's like of its time, right? right it's like yeah. TV exorcism movie. But if you recognize that, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty damn good. Yeah. Michael, what do you think of this episode? Um, I definitely think that it, this episode is aptly described as getting there, like you said. Um Obviously, you're going to be doing the whole run of the show, so no spoilers for for listeners moving ahead. But I I think oh no, we do spoilers. Don't worry, the only person who's ever yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Zach and Dana have not fully watched the show. This is their first time, but they've been spoiled by like everything. (laughs) I I know, I know the plot points going forward now. (laughs) Well, it's just my thing is that I think that this first season, um, you know, and there are standouts. I think it, it it worked enough that it encouraged the WB or uh, yeah, it was still the WB yeah, at this yeah. point, to give it a second season, but you can see it was still trying to figure out what it wanted to be. Is angel like a supernatural procedural? Are we going to do right. gritty crime noir? And then, you know, when they move out of the office building and into the hotel in the later seasons and kind of get the group dynamic, that's when it really settles into the, the more Whedon verse, yeah. version of angel that we know um i think that this this episode definitely is is a supernatural procedural episode and it just so happens the cold case of the week is exorcism <laughs> um but it felt more like an episode of forever night to me than it did an episode of angel uh that's fair and that's not a bad thing i love forever night and we also wouldn't have angel without series like forever night it's just at this point, multiple seasons into Buffy with characters like Wesley and Angel established, while I appreciate what happens here, it's sort of like Angel infiltrating with a plate of brownies is kind of like a little twee for me, you know? <laughs> that is more than fair. Also, wait, Forever Night, remind me what that is. Do I not know what that is? I thought I did. And then I'm like, wait, maybe I don't. <laughs> so batten down. Forever Night was a Canadian vampire show that aired for three seasons all about Detective Nicholas Knight, who was a vampire who wanted redemption for the oh. evils and murders that he committed in the past and has since signed up to be part of the Toronto PD, where he only solves crimes at night. Most of those crimes have to do with supernatural shenanigans. And he has a friend who knows he's a vampire, but most people don't including members of the police force. And of course there are other vampires in the city who are like, what the fuck is up with this guy? And uh, there's genies and monsters and exorcisms. And he drove a black convertible. So (laughs) 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 that's wild. Um, Yeah. I, this, this episode I kept thinking because I, the only things I remembered from this episode before I watched it were the like Wesley character reveal of like his father was abusive and the twist at the end. Those were literally the only two things I remembered. Right. So, but I think in my brain, which would have been a little too dark for Angel, I thought the little kid like does kill the family. Like I thought it ends with him lighting the house on fire and like that's it. I was um, wondering. Yeah. I right? was wondering if it was going to go that dark. Well, it tells you where my writer brain is because even though I had seen this episode and I remembered this episode, there was a part of me that was like, oh, are they going to go there? And then I actually was sort of satisfied by the horror ending that I had established in my mind that right. they don't do. I, I still love the reveal that the kid is is the true monster, though, because yeah. I think that's something that I always used to love it when the X-Files would do this mm-hmm. as well, where, you know, even though there's a supernatural element, sometimes it's just a killer. Sometimes it's just a person because people can be as awful as any monster. And I think that this reveal in an episode with the, the standard, you know, William Friedkin style exorcism and like 
the, the, the vomit and the monsters and the blah, 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 blah. It still comes down to this is just a dangerous child. Yeah. Yeah. Ian and I recently rewatched uh, The Ring, and that was part of one of our favorite parts about it is that, you know, we uh, remembered that she's just an evil little girl. And, you know, they spend the whole movie trying to like save her and save her soul and all, yeah. you know, all that. But really, sometimes a kid is just a badass little kid. And yeah. There's nothing else you can do about it. You weren't <laughs> supposed to let her out. It's so good. Like, it's such a good reveal too. Like, I, I feel like Zach, when we rewatched it, it still gave me the chills. Like I was like, Fuck, and that, it's like, good. just like with this episode, it always works for me. That sort of like turnaround just always, it always get, does well for me. So, I think. Um, I, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I think that the reason that this worked for me on a rewatch, and I, and I, I mean, I, I've watched this twice now in the last couple of weeks because I'm because I'm making my way through season one. Is it feels very much like a classic Buffy episode? Oh um, yeah, yeah, because it's taking. I mean, as in, like, I'm surprised that Buffy never did a kind of possession storyline, um, mm. or I suppose it did with um, with uh, the Dark Age. But it's sort of like I, I, this is like you know the classic child in the bed trope. Um, yeah. and it, it's got the elements like, you know, um, in that pre-credit sequence where the, the creepy looking dad is locking the sun up at night. It's got that kind of right. classic suburban Gothic that Buffy did so well. And then also there's like several subversions of our expectations within the episode. One of which, you know, the reveal of the, the dad being not evil doesn't work. Right. The reveal of the kid being the true monster absolutely does. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, it just sort of, it hits those beats with the confidence that, um, we've come to associate with the the prior show, um, yeah, and also yeah. we get a lot of important stuff in terms of like the character dynamic of the core trio that will you know be that our cast moving forward. Like that feels more lived in now than it did even a, a week or two prior. Yeah, I I think that's actually a really good point that like it it the confidence in the storytelling is here, and a lot of the Angel season one episodes don't feel like they always have the confidence in their storytelling. Um, I don't know, I, Zach. I know you watched season one and two. Philip and Michael, did either of you watch the show Evil? I was uh, going to say that yes, and I'm so happy uh, you're yes. on the same track. Oh, good, <laughs> right? Yeah, Zach, it felt like a low budget version of an episode of Evil. It did. <laughs> no, I, I totally get that. I think Evil is a great show. Um, yeah. I'm not as I'm not caught up with the more recent season, but even that first season and how it handled possession and exorcism and just. Uh, these kind of Judeo-Christian horrors in the day-to-day. Yes, there's definitely, I I can see it. And especially the twist, because I feel like evil does that a lot, where sometimes it is a demon, but sometimes it is like the person's a murderer. And like I like that we can do both. Um, Because I remember the first season of Evil when the first two cases were like, no, it's a murderer. I was like, oh, is this show like nothing is actually supernatural? But then they did have stuff that was actually supernatural. And I like when we can have both like here, it's just like, no, that kid's just evil. Like there's not like a, it's just, that's the way he was born. Um, and I like that. Um, though, do you mind if I throw something out to all of you? Because it is something that I, I find I struggle with a little bit with Buffy in retrospect and angel both. And I mentioned Judeo Christian and it is an issue. Sometimes once we make it far enough into the Buffy verse, we have become as viewers and deeply indebted fans quite well aware that, in this world, there are many, many different dimensions that are hell. And, you know, we know there's a heaven because Buffy went there, et cetera, et cetera. But then we, when we get an episode that kind of falls back on the, the you know, Reagan McNeil exorcist style trope where it's like the cross and it's like Satan get out of the, there's a part of me that's sort of like, well, 
that's that's so binary as opposed to what we know about the the angel buffy universe like how do you even know that's the specific hell this demon comes from you know that's fair that's also the problem i have with kind of um most possession horror films now that come out it's all very just like about catholicism yeah and it's like oh if you're if you're making a movie where the villain is the devil then but you kind of have to accept that there's also a god and it's just sort of like there's no imagination there for me. And I think it's because I I prefer the kind of horror where it's either a lot more uncanny and eldritch, like the David Lynch kind of stuff, or where it's more pure bonkers high fantasy, which is where Buffy and Angel both end up going. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was going to say, even in conversations with dead people, there is when Buffy's talking to that vampire, he asks her, I forget what he specifically asks her, but something about like, do we know if God is real? And she's like, eh, I don't really know one way or the other. And like, I prefer that. <laughs> like, I prefer that. Um, yeah, I feel like sometimes if you do think uh, too much about like the demon aspect, and especially with this, they even go into a church. Um, it's like, well, so Catholics are right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but okay, let's. Uh, we open this episode opens on Wesley and Angel looking at some knife that like kills a specific demon that Angel tells him is extinct. Cordelia's cooking brownies, which I was like, wait, what the fuck? But then once they were, she was like, oh, recipe from my mom, from our housekeeper. I was like, oh, okay. That makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, but I love that the brownies are like the the gun in act one that needs to go off by act three. <laughs> like the, the brownies are introduced so we can have them later. I, I usually have in my notes, Chekhov's brownies. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't even matter. That's the I plot was- point that's weird, right? It's, uh, well, it's, I mean, it's part of the weird plot where, like, in my memory, that so much more of this episode is Angel just, like, creepily hanging around this family and finding excuses <laughs> to go, to go over for dinner and stuff. And actually, that is a lot quicker. And the brownies are kind of a clumsy plot device for that. But I have to say, the brownies don't look that bad. And also, right. it's practically impossible to get a brownie recipe wrong. Like, it's literally four <laughs> ingredients. I maintain this is simply more Cordelia slander, where they're just making fun of her for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we get she uses the knife that Wesley brought to the table. She uses that to cut her very hard browning, brownies. Um, and we do, which I do like, because the episode directly after Hero, we do have them talking about Doyle, but then we kind of don't and i like when wesley and cordelia start bickering that he yells cordelia doyle and it's like very awkward because that that felt like yes even though that's not the plot of this episode yes that feels important for these characters that like that might happen right especially at this point where we're transitioning to wesley becoming such a significant character and it's it's a heavy-handed moment but the acting from all three i think is is really good because you can see that angel feels terrible you can see that Cordelia is still grieving and you can see just how hurt and insecure Wesley feels, which mm-hmm. kind of by the end of the episode, I think he's sort of, you know, he's 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 grown a bit more of a backbone and he's actually like him and Angel have this renewed trust for each other. Yeah. And then it's also great because then later on Cordelia's like, oh, forget Wesley. This isn't about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I do like when Cordelia goes a. And when Cordelia goes to talk to him and she's, he's like, I hope Wesley's okay. She's like, oh, I don't care about that. I want us to just talk about <laughs> like what's going on. But then, so before the credits roll, we cut to the A plot. And I just, I really, this is where Angel, they do this a lot this season where it's like, why are we having this first? Like, 
I don't I don't even know why like why bother with the misdirect because then we get another misdirect right and that misdirect works this one doesn't I honestly we could have just introduced the family after Cordelia had the vision yeah yeah right yeah I, Michael is that do you think that's like I don't know is that like plain is that like a horror trope or like a, the twist within a twist or no I think that this is one of those things where they had this the eight act structure of a television episode mm, yeah. and they were probably thinking we want to make more of a meal of the fact that we want you to think that the dad's a baddie because now you get to see him locking the kids in the room and then when he sh- when Angel shows up to the house and meets the dad for the first time, we already have this preconceived idea that the dad is doing some sort of a child called it abusive sort of thing. So, so we're predisposed to be against him. I think that's the only way I would buy that we need this here. And I get it to some degree, but I think that we could have met the family uh, when, when they arrive at the house and the dad could have just as been as abrasive as he was and it still would have read, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I I really liked this moment. I thought it was oh. so creepy, so eerie. And so, I don't know. I mean, I, I get the this and the, and the vision kind of where they're stacked is sort of my problem with it, but I don't know. I'd rather even just take the vision out somehow um, and leave this party in there. All right. And yeah, post credits, we Cordelia is walking to Angel's office. She wants to discuss what happened. And another thing that I love about her so much is that, right, this makes this isn't the, the we're not undercutting her. We're not being like, oh, silly Cordelia. Like she's being real, right? And like she cares about Angel. And I think this uh, this is why I love them together so much because I do think they are a good balance with each other. Her coming in and like. She looks gorgeous, one. Her hair looks great. Um, And she's just like, no, like, I care about you. We are going to talk about this. Well, there's such a great duo for the heart of the show because each in their own way is aspiring to be so much more than what people believe them to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's looking for redemption for his past and she's looking uh, for a springboard from her past. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's, it's really interesting when you juxtapose their, their journeys. And I I think that, you know, they both carry this show up until her departure later. So. Yeah. 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 And like, and you know, I just, I even like the way she delivers the, like, you don't have to pretend to be okay with me. Like she does gen, she cares about him, right? Like there's not, there's nothing that we're like, Oh, Cordelia's vapid. Like we're not even pretending with that in these scenes. Like we're just like, yes, these are two friends who care about each other. Mm-hmm. And I like that. It's nice, right? And I like that. Well, and she's also always the one going in there and, and it feels like she is kind of repeatedly telling him sometimes, Hey, remember you can yeah. be yourself with me. Like if you need to grieve, you can grieve. Cause she also did that right after Doyle passed too. Yeah. And it's just, I, I like the little bit of stubbornness from Angel that we do do this and re- repeat this a couple different times to kind of get him to like warm up. Uh, yeah. Cause then he says, you know, it's really, it's, they, I really try not to like angel, but, <laughs> but sometimes, <laughs> just sometimes there are, there are moments because then he says, I really miss him. And, you know, I've been around a long time and still, you know, yeah. this is one of the harder losses for me. And it just, you know, it kind of little sharp pain in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Somewhat fittingly, that I I, lo- I do love that. Like after this moment of shared grief over Doyle, Cordelia has a vision. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, you know, and that that leads us to the the plot 
of the episode where Angel saves the little boy from the car. And I kept thinking, oh, was that, was someone in that car trying to kill the kid? But then I was getting mixed up with Eternity, which is a later (laughs) episode, which starts the exact same way. The, the I don't even of, remember that. Honestly, like the number of things in the 90s and early 2000s where I was just like, how, when am I going to like accidentally walk into the road and someone's going to save my life from, from a, <laughs> a car that is speeding, but the kid doesn't hear it? You know, right. like it, it's, it's a weird trope that we don't, I think, don't think we have anymore. Um, but yeah, so he saves the kid. He's surprisingly sweet with the little boy as well. When he's like, yeah. oh, am I going to cry? Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm fine. I'm not going to cry. Are you, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I did like that. I liked that he was like a little tender with the kid and he was like, not, like he was able to like talk to a kid, right? And I we, I don't think we really saw that much before. Because um, your, your, your assumption would be that Angel is terrible around children. Yes, yes. Like he doesn't know how to act. He doesn't know how to talk. I would assume he'd be like, I don't know, like just like talk to them the way he talks to like Cordelia or something. But yeah, then the, the family comes out. They thank Angel. The dad is very aggressive. The mom invites him in because also it's very weird that like he does that all the time, but he has like this big cut in his jacket where his shoulder is like bleeding. And I'm like, he does this kind of shit all the time and he's always fine. Right. But he rolled across, you know, a Los Angeles suburb road. And next thing you know, (laughs) I I have to tell you when I first watched this show, of course, when it aired originally, I was not yet living in Los Angeles. Now I do. And anytime I revisit the (laughs) the series it kind of amazes me how quickly they get around anywhere because they're supposed to be downtown los angeles which is not easily navigable and yeah. then you know next thing you know they're like and now we're at the beach i'm like and how that's the supernatural <laughs> element of the show like no, we as angelinos would like to know <laughs> you do not have a transition sound effect and quick cut yeah, that's, yeah. So that's that's your issue okay <laughs> not angels that's, that's a michael true, that's true. problem <laughs> <laughs> So inside the house, Angel, the dad is being very, the dad is just so weird because he's so like chest puffy and like whatever with Angel. But I guess one can assume that the dad is just like had it and just, uh, well, you know. Also, he doesn't want his son to come out being all crazy and like right. injure this man. And then they end up with a, having to leave town again, right? They'd like <laughs> to stay for a little while. I mean, the dad does come on strong and of course we're supposed to hate him in this moment, but yeah, Zach's absolutely right. Like everything we understand later, you kind of get why he is aggro because he's got like a demon possessed child. He <laughs> has this wife who just busts out precious moment figurines <laughs> at like the drop of a hat and invites strangers in. It's like, here's the deal. If you think that your kid has murdered someone, Someone in Akron, Ohio, maybe <laughs> don't invite strangers into the house. <laughs> also, a good point. Um, oh my god, and that's why he was smoking. He's like, okay, I'm just gonna like be dropping all these subtle hints that I want you to leave. I'm amazed he didn't just start yawning and turning off the lights. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm heading to bed, so I guess you'll be leaving now, sir. Um, I did think, Zach, I don't know if you'll. Uh, agree with me, but when she's like, angels, they're all around us. I was like, this is some Hispanic mom bullshit. This is too much. It's too much. <laughs> and, and I would have been annoyed with her. I'd have said, what is her name in this? I don't even remember. I just- Paige. <laughs> Paige, we cannot have friends, okay? We don't get, we, we get neighbors. That's all we get. Um, and he's creepy. Why was he in a car outside our house? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, this is this and this is I've brought this up in previous episodes. Like, um, Angel is just so conspicuous when he's doing his detective work. He just comes across as a nosy weirdo. 
Yeah. Yeah. Especially in all that black with a leather jacket. Like it's just like, yeah. Like why is he hanging around this nightclub? Why is he hanging around this person's bachelor party that he's never been to? Why is he hanging around this family home in the suburbs? <laughs> mm-hmm. There are LA serial killers exactly like angel. It's true. <laughs> it rings very true. And yet probably the worst of all is Wesley creeping around in the backyard, not so discreetly. <laughs> and then like scooping up what is, is described as like demon excrement. This yeah. is a theme of the episode that no one seems to want to talk about is that these demons are like what shitting everywhere what is going <laughs> on it's a weird ghostbusters plasma crossover that i don't understand because it's that's not in buffy all that often is it i guess like I a scale or something i don't think so uh huh yeah it's just that they use the word demon excrement that I'm like, <laughs> that calls to mind a very or maybe they said demon excretion either way stuff is oozing out that we never see on camera, which leaves us as the audience to be very concerned. <laughs> the demons get really bad diarrhea when they possess someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it could be the brownies. I, that's true. It could be. Um. I, I also just want to draw attention to, uh, before we move on, um, Angel is a, just a very bad improviser when he's doing his detective work as well, because he yeah. tells the family that his name is Angel Jones. Jones. <laughs> and and it, it occurred to me, this is, I think, the first time that Angel has ever had to fake a surname, which is ridiculous because Kate the cop has never asked him his full name. Right. <laughs> Not to rag on poor Kate again, but like she is so bad at her job. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, if we're going to like fandom hop real quick, we have 60 plus years of a character who only answers to the doctor and high ranking government officials are just like, sure. So I I think I think there's a nomenclature suspension of disbelief. That's totally fair. Totally fair. So the the dad wants him out. He kind of is like ready to get out. Um, the mom then invites him over for dinner the next day. Angel goes back to the car and Wesley has the the goo um and is like there's a demon possession in the house so cut to angel investigations cordelia who we also like cordelia's gotten i think she's probably better at this than ever like she's good at just like great i can make the phone calls i can do like look up something on the computer yeah and like she's good at it right i like, mean her works. fucking librarian was making her at 15 years old do research in the damn library of course <laughs> she would be good at it but true no. <laughs> there is a reason that in season two when angel fires them all she is still able to run an investigative agency that's, that, that's also true yeah and like i guess you're right if like oh my whole high school you know life was at the end of at the end of class we would go to the library and look up demon shit i guess you kind of <laughs> <laughs> So she makes calls to verify where they lived before because they mentioned that they moved once, but then she finds out they've moved a lot um, and that someone went missing, right? Is that where she, yeah, she finds that out there. Then she picks up the excretion and says, it's kind of pretty, which Wesley tells her what it is. And she was like, why didn't we tell me it was demon poop? So they're trying to like, basically they, they know there's a possession, but they're trying to like parse out who it is. And then Angel says that the dad was kind of weird and Wesley gives this blip of information where he's like, a father doesn't have to be possessed to terrorize his kids. And I kind of, I was curious what everyone thought, because I actually do like that as a beat that we like return to a little later. And that is oddly kind of paid off in season five. 
Season five? Yes, season five. Exactly. Yeah, this is season one. These are 22 episode seasons. Yeah, you're in it for the long haul, Zach. I hate oh to my tell you. God. <laughs> I, um, I do think that this is maybe the first good episode for Wesley where we're yeah. finally beginning to drop the slapstick. We're taking him more seriously. Yes. And we're, del- we're delving into the stuff that is um, eventually going to make him a really rich character. Um, yeah, and it, but it, it's a good sort of in between the episode where like we're taking him seriously, but he's still not like hyper competent. He still you know does fuck up a little bit later on, but his intentions are good, and he's actually like you you can see why he was a watcher and why he you know was maybe could have been potentially good at it in different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's it. Could have potentially been good at it is a very good. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but Michael, so you know what this pays off in season five. What do you think of this as a beat in the in here? I think that this is really kind of the classic Buffy verse structure of of giving us a, a, a morsel and then paying it off later that we didn't really get from television shows of this era, which is yeah. why we as as viewers gravitated towards it then and why it changed the landscape of television and why we're still talking about it now. I, I think that as far as um some of the bigger angel reveals that occur over the five seasons. This is, is not like necessarily one of the bigger ones, but that's just shows kind of the thoughtfulness of the writing, because as we know, what, what was just said, this is, this is where we're starting to pull away from Wesley as slapstick and we're getting insight into the character through his insecurity and uncertainty. But Wesley now over the next few years, takes what I consider to be one of the largest character evolutions in the whole of the Buffy verse from where we met him to where he ends. And it begins here. This is where we start seeing that change where when we end with Wesley season five, if you were to show a viewer this episode and Wesley in the last step, last few episodes of angel, they would not buy that. It's the same character, but when you live with the character the way that you will watching it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I do agree that it it feels like they're trying to drop the slapstick now because all I have had in my head is Wesley getting knocked down in the season three finale when he's like running through the crowd and somebody knocks him down and he just like hurts his back. And I just can't do it. I can't do it. I do not like Wesley, but I, he's fine. And I like that they, mm, I can't even say they really put him off to the side. I liked him in this episode. He was fun. Yeah, and he was like able to help. I mean, not that much, but he without like doing a ooh, right? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't fail at it by like falling over a banana peel. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we then they like I forget what is it is it wheatgrass? What's, what's oh, the it's name? eucalyptus because I had a good chuckle about the fact that we now learn that no koala bear can ever be possessed in the Buffy <laughs> universe. <laughs> <laughs> so they need to put that in something and we get the we get the we go back to the brownies so they angel goes to the house with the brownies as like he's bringing the family and sits through dinner and again philip i kept thinking of i keep like going back to that like he really is bad at this because he's just staring at the dad waiting for him to bite it like there's <laughs> nothing I, in these eat up <laughs> if i was the dad i'd be like oh my god he's like coming on to me <laughs> right in front of my family <laughs> and then what would your move be would you go with it yeah. <laughs> i it would be going into some like icon male territory that we don't <laughs> need to discuss here <laughs> <laughs> um but then we get the what's the twist michael at dinner um, well, it turns out that the child, the boy who we thought was the victim, 
is actually the demon because when he eats the brownie, his face turns into a weird Windows 95 screensaver and he <laughs> is a monster. <laughs> I don't know why they even tried with that effect. Like, just give him makeup, right? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so we learn that it's the kid. The sister then says Ryan's bad. He's always been bad. Which will come back later. Right, yes, which does come back later. Um, it's almost like that's its own little thing with something coming back later. And then we go into something else where that will come back later. I think the, the reveal, that face reveal, though, was that was I was a little shocked. I was a little shaken in my seat, okay? Um, <laughs> oh, it was bad. It was bad CGI, but just the the her looking over and we pan or do we pan or cut one of those and it's just i wasn't expecting a full face like that i just i thought he was gonna say some little you know like little bitch or something like that (laughs) it was just the way it was put in there was uh it was super effective to me and then also just for the um, any britney fans out there this little girl was in the dream within a dream uh live from las vegas concert john voight was reading a storybook to her Oh, oh, really? Yes. Um, and I always recognize that face. Well, I hope she was better in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> that's that's so weird. I always, like, especially with little kids when they have, because who's that one little girl that's a little girl in everything these days? Is it McKenna Grace? McKenna Grace, yes. Yeah. You're right, Zach. Yeah, She's yeah. not a little girl anymore. She's right. a, an adult. Wait, is she? No, she's probably a teenager, but like, okay, she's but there. Not like a kid kid. No. Because, um, right, she was like Sabrina. She was... Carol Danvers, uh, wasn't she in Mad Men too, I think? I don't know. Her and Bailey Madison were duking it out in the the casting rooms. (laughs) So then Angel brings the family. He says, leave the daughter. He brings the parents and the possessed son back to Angel Investigations. And I love Cordelia greeting them saying, hi, sorry about the possession. Like, (laughs) I like that she keeps up the business at like, which is important, but she keeps up that business aspect. Like she's, she's a businesswoman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then again like when they're so they're setting him up they're tying the the possessed kid to the bed they're doing the like ring of whatever and i do like cordelia has a very good exorcism line where she's like are you expecting big vomiting here because i saw the movie like i thought that was oh yeah she wants to put a tarp down or something yeah, yeah. i thought that was a very good way to reference what we're doing here without saying it and there's a nice little reference later on, or well, in very, very shortly to the movie where when they're trying to track down the priest, uh, when the nun explains how he died, that is the exact ending of the movie. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. <laughs> it's nice. It would have been funny to see Cordelia actually putting down a tarp. Yeah. <laughs> also, I got to mention that what when they're discussing the possession, we learn that Lizzie Borden in this universe was. I loved that. That yes. was so funny, and I wish we had just a just a random cheesy flashback to that. Right. Real quick, just real quick. Because <laughs> I kind of I, I I also really like that. That's why I got to mention it. Because I I don't know. I think that I like when the Buffy verse does like backwards like retroactive <laughs> canon stuff. And I, I just, I don't know. That always works for me. Okay. But for fun, we get a flashback to Lizzie Borden, who of the CWWB era plays <laughs> Lizzie Borden in this flashback. <laughs> oh God. Oh my gosh. Um, She was how old? Like what? Like 14, 15 Lizzie Borden. I thought she was an adult. Oh, I thought she was like a teenager. No, she was, she, she was like a 30 something year old woman. Oh shit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we oh, had God. Christina Ritchie play her in a TV movie, and that, that feels right. 
Right. Hmm. Just just let it be David Boreanaz again. <laughs> <Another> <laughs> wig. Like, oh my god! I go wig. Yeah. <laughs> and he can he can do another one of his fun accents. Yes, that'd be great. You know, we that need would somebody be... to play her sister Emma too, though. So we can just do Wesley and David Boreanaz. It- it's just the cast of Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching um, 30 Rock as my, I, I finally cycled out of Seinfeld and 30 Rock is going back into my like nighttime background show. And I kind of love that whenever they do like a weird cut or not all the time, but sometimes it'll just be the cast and it'll be like them in wigs. Like there's one episode where Tracy has a dream and like Alec Baldwin is playing Nixon and the, the writers in the writer's room are playing these other characters. Um, and that would be hilarious if they fucking did this with like. Yeah. If you know it's ridiculous and you just go into it, that's I I love it and right? I'm all yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, oh, Angel and Wesley, like they realize they need to find a priest. I missed, and I was I don't know if how do we get to like this specific priest? Basically, I think while while Angel was at the house and like bringing the kid and the family to the apartment, Wesley was like trying to track down. And there's, there's, there's like, there's like a, a, a very, very brief line of dialogue where it's like, oh, there's not many priests who go in for exorcisms these days. So I think it's like they um, eventually manage to track one down who does them and then it turns out he's dead. Okay. Mm. Okay. Because I was like, wait, why are, couldn't they just go to another church and get another priest? Like I was like, there's not one priest in all of LA. Well, so it's a really hard thing to get a priest to do an exorcism too, right? Isn't there a lot of like red tape with it? Yeah, it has to be commissioned through the Vatican and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> but uh, Catholicism, huh? Yeah, you, you know how that goes. Uh, but you know what's funny is they go kicking into this church then, and we meet Sassy Pants' uh, sister. Uh, who clocks him. Oh, my God. He thought he was Jada Pinkett Smith up in here, and she, he thought he was unclockable. And he, he was like, he, he said, I'm Angel Jones. Uh, and she said, mm, mm. But then there's yeah. a point where if the pre- if the nun can like eyeball uh, like a, a vampire and be like, mm-hmm. why didn't she go and do this exorcism? Because she's right. trying to not get murked. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, not my problem. Well, then she's not much of a believer, is she? <laughs> she's just, well, that sounds crazy. Stay blessed and just leaves. Like, <laughs> I love her. I love the idea of her just saying, stay blessed with a peace sign and walking off. <laughs> she became a nun because she likes the idea of having her bills paid. <laughs> and she like, shit. not having to worry about where you know her next meal is coming from she's not about <laughs> to go hang with the Sophia Backwood <laughs> she shows up to the sugar factory and says Bill Jesus Angel Jones and Bill Jesus well you know when you think about it she took her vows kicked over to West Hollywood she's probably having a time probably. that's true yeah and right I thought like the, the actor that got to play this, like, random nun for five seconds, she's really good. And I I found myself, and I don't often say this, but I, like, wish they had more church stuff in Angel. Because I would have liked, like, this nun being someone maybe he has to go back to to ask about certain demons. Or, or, or in any flashback, any time the Buffyverse ever uses a nun, it is this woman. Yeah, that woman. Yeah. <laughs> no explanation. <laughs> You're right, though, Ian. It's, I, I think it's, and again, it's sort of, if we're talking about this tradition of possession horror yeah. stories, it's this is one of the scenes that feels like it could have been lifted out of one of the better versions yeah. of that story. Yeah, yeah. Because I think this scene is like actually really good. And I like, I again, I like that she clocks him immediately. And he's like, 
no, I'm not. And then she just like flashes the rosary at him and she's like, mm-hmm, yeah, you are. <laughs> that was me as a teenager when my mom asked me if I was gay. There's a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of subtext here. Um, I really, I wish that with this episode, they would have leaned to a, into a lot more horror lighting um, yeah. for these movies, because this would have been a great scene to have that like seventies church, like that, like, extreme glow from the candles yeah. right yeah and like kind of overtaking the, the seat because when he's um when the mom first invites him in they have like a single like lamp for a couple of those close-up shots that are really mm. just lighting them like so exorcist like that i wish they would have done that throughout the whole thing yeah and this would I have agree. been a really great moment to do it just bringing him back to to this yeah and like could have even used the kind some of the Buffy season one lighting, right? Like that works for yeah, and some like cherub children and you know music in the background going. I can't, I can't. <laughs> so we learn that the priest has died, um, and I also like this scene where Angel's like Wesley's like I can do it. And Angel like what? What does he like knock at him about with the fucking thigh master? Right? There's like a. Oh, oh yeah. Like, I, I, I'm very. Um, I'm very. I've got a great resistance to suggestion. And he's like, you don't even have sales suggestion. How many thigh masters do you own? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I liked seeing confident Wesley when he's like, okay, you do it. And he hands him the cross and he drops it because it burns him. And he's like, that was vulgar. And Wesley says, yes, but I, I believe my point was made. Um, I, and that's like, that's where the, the humor with Wesley needs to go. It's like, yes, let's have him be, because he's so British, have him be a sassy, fussy little <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the um, nun was clocking Wesley, not Angel. I don't know. <laughs> well, he has got bones of steel. There you go. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so... They just they go back to Angel Investigations, where we get like Cordelia is the, the mother is annoying. I like look at his face. Like that is clearly a demon. Like the mom is buying his like mommy, I need help, blah, 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 blah. Cordelia is trying to like stop her. She goes into the circle and immediately starts getting choked. But Angel and Wesley arrive. And uh Philip, where are we? <laughs> um so so this this raises a question actually, because I on this watch, I was like, is the mother under some kind of psychic control or is she just very badly written because they put so much effort into writing the dad? I think the latter. I think that what, what they're trying to do here is take advantage of the tropes of every exorcism story where there's always the person that falls for, you know, the, right. the, the victim act. I mean, we see Reagan do this in the exorcist. We see all the deadites do this across evil dead. And there's always like some yay who that's like, but it's our friend. And I'm like, no, it's not. You literally just seconds ago. <laughs> and it's just like, they kind of like, set her up at the beginning as, as such the long suffering mother that all she wants is her child to be okay, that she's not thinking clearly. She has her own kind of brand of psychosis that I think could have been really interesting if explored just a little bit more, but because it's not, it's all very surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, but also super understandable. She's a mother, you know, yeah. she's a mother. Um, I think <laughs> the dad is already like, I, 
I think because we we already established their sort of dynamics from the beginning, it's fine with me because the dad is clearly like ready to send this child off to the school of Marcy, the invisible woman. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like he's <laughs> he's over this child, but she's still like this is her baby, so I'm okay with it. Um, oh, this marriage is not lasting. After this <laughs> oh no, 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 no! This was this was they were just waiting. They they couldn't handle yeah. a demon separately, so they needed to uh, to be together for this. I do like that uh, all of the little moments were like they. Uh, Angel and Wesley get stuck in the elevator and like the demons like, you know, I, I wish we got a little bit more like lights going dimming up and down yeah. and like, you know, like really do something clouds roll in or I don't know, some <laughs> yeah. shit like that. But also like make us aware of like, what are the parameters of the demons power? Because yeah. there's like a little yeah. bit of telekinesis and stuff, but, and then, you know, he does like some great, you know, voice impersonations. Um, but like, it's 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 a little nebulous because that mm. that scene with the the elevator going up and down it almost just feels like they're stalling before we get to the next bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So then Wesley prepares to do the exorcism, but they need a an Ethros box, right? It's a demon box to contain the demon that they're going to pull out because Wesley found out in his book the Ethros demon will possess whoever the nearest like body is, right? If it's once it's exorcised, right? And I kind of. I kind of like Wesley being like, I mean, he fails, but I I like him taking charge. I like seeing him have more agency. I also like him saying, fuck them kids and just tossing holy water <laughs> in the kid's face. Well, yeah. because, okay, so is your Latin sucks the new your mother sucks cocks in hell? Because his his reaction was very strong to your Latin sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. A, he is an English public school boy. That's like calling his mama cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, Wesley starts, he's like talking to the demon and we go back to, uh, what Wesley had, uh, talked about with fathers terrorizing their children. And we learn that his father was like pretty abusive and terrible to him, which, uh, I don't know. I feel like normally I'm not that sold on something like this, just being casually referenced, but I, I think it does help build Wesley's character, right? Well, and the fact that they didn't just make it a one episode thing that yeah. they touched upon and never did again, which we know many television shows are really guilty of like, how can we get character motivation this week? And right. then they introduce something and never again do we hear about it. And that's what you missed on Glee. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think that um, this was the right episode to introduce it. And the fact that we get it throughout is great. I mean, it's just so interesting, though, because this whole scene where we're getting kind of the layers of Wesley's trauma and then kind of like split with cordelia going to this like knockoff magic box (laughs) Uh, (laughs) is just kind of like here's here's some heavy shit and here's some some commerce comedy yeah because i i do like cordelia shopping for the box i do like that scene um but so before we get that scene wesley i forget the the demon tries the and i was like is this referencing something from earlier in the episode? It is not, right? When the demon's like, he was going to kill you or whatever, right? That's Or, or is it? No, no. I think it's just, um, it's a recurring point in the season um, and especially in Eternity, which um, I know I keep bringing it up because it's, it's the last episode I watched, um, <laughs> where Cordelia and Wesley, as Angel's closest friends, both have to be at peace with the fact that they may have to kill him one day. And because yeah. Wesley is the newcomer, um, the demon can, I think, is sensing like the insecurity in that relationship and is basically trying to play them off against each other. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And it gets Wesley to cross 
into the, the circle they put around the bed and the demon gets him to stab himself in the neck with a fucking cross, which I think is cool, but like there would have been a lot more blood if that had happened, right? <laughs> well, maybe the suggestion is that uh, Wesley at this point just, you know, he's doing a lot of thigh master stuff, but his upper body strength is just not there. <laughs> so maybe maybe the jabbing was not as strong because Wesley is is not doing a proper rotation. <laughs> oh, okay. he has got spaghetti arms for sure. <laughs> <laughs> spaghetti arms. Because, um, like, we never see, but they don't even show the cut, which I think is probably because they were like, eh, it's nondescript cut, let's not. And also, how sharp is a crucifix going to be? Right. Yeah. Also, that. I mean, in the moment, it looks really like I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten it happens, and it is quite like it's shocking a little bit. Just yeah. just for a second, a split second. I don't know. Yeah. If he'd have been bleeding a little bit more, I think it'd have been more serious. I don't know. But... Though, it, it is funny though when you say how sharp can a crucifix be. I just had like this like. <laughs> mental like montage of like all the times Christopher Lee has been stabbed with a crucifix (laughs) over the course of like 20 years of playing Dracula. (laughs) Fair. Um, And then we get, we cut to Cordelia shopping for this box and I do really like this scene. Um, And I, I almost wish the, this is another thing that I was like, I like this world building. I wish we had gone back to like, make it the, make it their magic box, right? Make it the shop that they go to. But I, I don't think we really do a lot of that here in this show, right? At least not in the first season. I think that their version of the magic box becomes the the bar in season two. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like a place where they can get this shit. Like, yeah, and I think after you uh, you buy a box that's not so functional from Jack, it was Jack, right? That was his name. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so so that guy um, used magic car salesman. Uh, <laughs> He, I don't see why you would go back. It's like you buy, you buy one bunk thing. You probably don't want to go again. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but I like that. She's just like, I need an Ethros box. And he's like, Oh, a woman who knows what she wants. And she's like, yeah, I'm great. Was that going to work? Um, and like, we learn that it is not an Ethros box, but she's kind of like, will it work? And he's like, it should. It does not. Spoiler. <laughs> but I, I like that she's very like no nonsense in this scene because she knows it's important, right? And when he's like, do you want a gift wrap? Then she just glares at him. Love it. It's a good Cordelia moment because, it, again, it's a very light Cordelia yeah. episode. Um, yeah. But we get some, yeah, we get some nice, funny little moments with her. Yeah, yeah. So Wesley is out of the game, and then the demon decides to um, just really, like, ratchet up the drama and starts impersonating Doyle and says that Doyle is there with him and he's asking why Angel didn't save him, which is exactly what Angel was talking about at the start of the episode. Right, right. And so Angel picks up the cross to finish the ritual himself. I think it's so interesting, um, the demon impersonating Doyle here because of the fact that, you know, the actor who played Doyle actually passed away. It feels like stranger than usual when we have a callback to a a past uh, character. I mean, even though, uh, even, even with conversations with dead people, how Amber Benson did not want Tara's Mm -hmm. memory to be. Uh, and Amber, of course, is like still out in the world and doing amazing things. But this just like there's something there's an extra element of I don't know. It feels strange to me. Does anyone else feel that way, or am I just overthinking things? Well, I think because this is the last time we hear uh, yeah. Glenn Quinn's voice in the show, so yeah. it does. It is a bit of a sour taste that it leaves. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Well, 
But then I, I do think they do course correct it with the, actually the last time we hear his voice is in season five because Cordelia watches the tape again. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I do like that. For me, that's a very sweet final like moment to hear his voice. Um, But yeah, it is, it is weird whenever you go back to a show and it's like, Ooh, that actor is dead. Like I remember when, <laughs> not to name drop, but to name drop when I interviewed Trixie Mattel for this podcast a few years ago. And she was like, I forget what she said, but she was, she thought that, Glenn Quinn had died and that's why they had to rewrite like write out his character and I was like oh no he was fired and then he passed away and I remember we were in person and Trixie just looked at me and went well that's worse and I was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yes so we I, I forgot that they even do that Angel goes to finish the ritual they have the box the demon smashes right through that box and the but the the exorcism is done, right? They're like, the, oh, the, f- <laughs> the demon like Shangela straight out the box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so then there is some genre babble about primordial salt, um, which is basically an excuse to get us to a nice creepy sea cave as our final location of the episode, where the demon reveals that it was actually the boy all along who was oh. evil. Right. And as I pointed out, they got to the beach really fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they go to hunt this demon. And I do the a good beat here in this scene when they're hunting the demon is that Wesley's like, hey, I, I don't want you to think I was ever thinking of killing you or whatever. And I do like that Angel turns and he's like, but you're willing to do it, which is good. And like referencing in case he ever turns into Angelus again. Um and I like that. I like that Angel's like, no, no, no. I know that the demon was full of shit, but I also know that you would kill me if you needed to. But Angel does like that, right? Yeah. Like, it's a prerequisite for being friends with Angel that you have yeah. to be willing to put a sword through him like his ex-girlfriend did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it, he's really into that. <laughs> <laughs> the demon gives a very long speech. It, this is a little silly, but I, I, it gets to the twist that I do like. But it is a little silly that this like, bajillion year old demon is like with the most the scariest thing he ever saw was like being stuck in that little boy like that's a little like eh. and and then he's just like oh and you're allowed to kill me now i give up go right (laughs) ahead (laughs) that's what we call quiet quitting in the possession community (laughs) you'd rather run out into the street and die than (laughs) ever go back to that child and wesley's kind of like we gotta hurry. They're all at home, right? Like, so yeah, the demon is summarily dispatched, and then we get the real climax, which is Ryan setting the house on fire. And I will say, I like this. It's intense, right? Yeah, yeah, because they have the they they really let him take his time, like pouring the gasoline. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm thinking, oh well, Angel's gonna come busting through the door before he even like lights the match or before he gets the match onto the floor, you know. But no, he fully like. Sets the house on fire, and then yeah. the flames are so big, and they cannot get to this little girl. That I'm like, is it? Is that what they're right? gonna do here? Because <laughs> it does seem like it for a second. It's like, yeah. oh shit, they really. And then the WB said, I don't fucking think so. No, <laughs> no. But if this no. show was on HBO Max today, it might oh, be yeah. canceled next week. But it would have. They would have done it. <laughs> this one. <laughs> You're right. The family would have been murdered and then the show would have got canceled a few episodes later. Um, So yeah, Angel jumps through the window, saves a little girl. Wesley picks up Ryan and tells everyone to get out. And then uh, 
we end on the boy. I, I wasn't quite clear, like, because he's so young, he can't like, there's not like a jail for like 10 year olds, right? No, yeah, but I juvie, think. Juvie, right? Yeah, juvie, juvie or like wherever. What I do think is interesting, though, is that it ultimately reveals that the exorcism and possession plotline is is a MacGuffin. Like the yeah. evil, as as we discussed at the beginning of the episodes, is the kid. and And I think that this is what makes the original Halloween work in ways that even though I love all the sequels, they never quite measure up to it because this kid is just bad and there's no explanation for it. Yes. You know, it's, it's the whole Dr. Loomis speech. You know, there was nothing behind his eyes. That's what we get in this kid. The, even the demon was like, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And, and so the angel, you know, detective agency. Yeah. We solved another case, but you didn't win. They didn't win this week because this kid's getting taken from his family. He's probably going to grow up to be a monster that someone else is going to have to deal with because the monster doesn't go away when the monster's a little boy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always really, that's, that's always just a really dark one that really hits for me. It's like, um, yeah, like we like we said, the ring, uh, you know, American Horror Story, Asylum, that little girl Jenny, like all of those kids, like kids who were just no soul, black as black eyes, just is it's creepier than the supernatural, you know? Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that, and I I like because right, like of course parents are going to be more precious, like like you said, Zach, like the mom is more like I'm going to believe that my son is not is there, even though it's clearly the demon, like. They're going to be precious about it, but storytelling wise, I do like that. I do like not being precious about a child. Like if a child can die in the story or a child can be evil, like <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go for I it. Just kill the child. Just never the animals, please. No, I can't deal <laughs> with the animals dying. Um, This felt like this was evil season one too, right? They had a little evil boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember if it was season one or two, but yeah, I know there was an evil little boy. Um, Well, and in season the newest season, which I won't say exactly, but there literally is an episode kind of like this where like they think they solved it and like the family, they mur- there's a pregnant woman that is murdered at the very end because they failed their case. Hmm. And like, I like that shit. Like I'm like, Oh, I love, I love a dark ending. And this is like incredibly dark because like, like uh, Michael was saying is like, they are essentially just handing the kid off. They've done their, what they can do that, what right. their investigation services do. And they have to hand the kid off to a system that is not going to take care of this kid. Right. Right. Um, which is even darker, you know, it's just, there, there is no win-win. So we say, well, we'll never see him again. So it doesn't yeah. matter, matter to <laughs> us in this show. Um, and then the episode ends with, I, I really love how the episode ends. We don't go back to the, I was, I was dreading it, man. I was like, are we going to go back to the office and have like one little, little talk, talk scene, but I like one that we like, brownie. no, we just like pan out and, and they go to the car, you know, he meets them at the car and it's, it's ends on the street. And I really, really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like, I mean, basically Kate says what you just said, Zach, right? She's like, well, I don't know what'll happen. They'll probably, as uh, you know, uh, social, someone for social services will interview him and well, we'll see, but it's like, well, that I'm like, never hey, that is your job. Like, <laughs> we we did our part. Are you? You're just saying we'll see. Do, <laughs> does Cordelia say we'll see? No. <laughs> Even like, in the late nineties, my... Angel had a strong stance against the LAPD. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's where like the show is almost realizing in real time that the procedural trappings don't work. That we don't want the cop scenes, and you know conversations about social services right um because it just sort of feels like we're trying to really like 
wrap it up as if it is Law and Order or you know um, or, or CSI or like something. I'm done. <laughs> when actually, like, yeah, like there is no, you know, there's no real um, legal recourse or, or resolution to this. It, and I like that it has the guts to not have a tidy, happy ending. That family is never going to be the same, right? And yeah. again, it's a hint of this is what Angel the show is going to be. And then obviously, like Buffy has its real downer episodes, but Angel more consistently, I think, has like ambiguous or just like outright like s- tragic endings to episodes and to, and to whole arcs. Um, and so it's like, yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do, I do really like that. And you you are right, Philip. That really is kind of like, this is more in line with what the show becomes than like some of the other one-offs yeah. are. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, the dad thanks Angel and tells him he won't be able to cover for the boy anymore. And we, the episode's over. The dad's um, done with that kid. Never again. Like it's it's very that tweet where it's like oh all these um, dads who are criticised for walking away from their kids but have you ever considered that the kid might be bad vibes to, to begin with? <laughs> <laughs> the vibes are off, so take that kid away. <laughs> I mean, the dad is like surprisingly chill at the end, considering where he begins, because he's basically like, "Hey, vampire man, thanks for breaking up my family." Credits, <laughs> you know. I mean, but I think he does. I think it kind of is that he's like, "Oh, thank God, I don't have to deal with this shit anymore." No, he's about to drive away to. Perfect day, you know, playing yeah. on the radio and the California sun. <laughs> <laughs> He's about to like eat, pray, love for the rest of the year. I know, I know. He said, fuck that kid. Fuck my daughter. <laughs> fuck the wife. I'm gone. He and the nun pack it up and they be blessed out of town. <laughs> She's got her own show going off at the Vatican. We'll just, we'll, we'll stay tuned for that one. Uh, so, okay, now that we're at the end, favorite, I know this is one that's a little eh, favorite outfit, Philip. So it's a bad outfit. It's a bad episode for outfits, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Even Cordelia's two outfits, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say, do not hit for me. So I'm going to say, because the Ethros demon does live for drama it is that bitch that when it expends all of this energy giving itself corporeal form it takes the time to manifest an iridescent cloak oh very nice (laughs) um michael what's your favorite outfit um i'm gonna have to make this foolhardy choice of the mom's terrible nightgown because It feels like a community theater production choice. You know, like, I don't know if you all had this, but like when high schools like do like the morality play before prom, like don't drink and drive. And someone always like dresses as the mom or something. Right. That's what I pictured. They were just like, she's a serious mom who loves her kids. (laughs) She got woken up in the middle of the night to tragedy. And she's wearing this gingham nightgown in the Los Angeles summer, which never would happen. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, she's been having a hard life for the past few years. I, I mean, just rag on her for her outfit, I guess. Right. Mm. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> Fucking jerk, man. Ugh. I mean, she raised a soulless child. I feel <laughs> nothing for her. <laughs> she gave birth to a soulless child. Uh, Zachary, what's your favorite outfit? Well, it is not the little boys like Chris Evans knit sweater when he's uh, <laughs> being exercised. I think you're all crazy. Not to say Cordelia's freaking sweater with her hair pulled up in a messy bun. Like, she looks fantastic. I'm gonna. I, I'm well, going of with that. She looks fantastic. I just don't yeah. like the sweater. No, you're <laughs> wild for that. Uh, I Zach, I that was that's my favorite outfit. But I like 
My favorite is when she puts the denim jacket, when she's in the shop and she puts the denim jacket over the pink. I think that looks cute. And I think she's one of the few people that like her hair also looks really good up, right? Like it looks good down because, but her hair is like so thick and like has such volume that like even up, it's like really big. And I like that it's like big when it's And up. this is going to be really weird, guys. I, and I know it, but Car- okay. Charisma Carpenter has a fantastic neck. And when her hair's <laughs> up, it like, I don't know, it just shows her neck off really nicely. And yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I will like, I will accept that. I, it is weird, but I accept it. <laughs> yeah, you I stick with it. I stand by it. I stand by <laughs> it. <laughs> um, favorite scene, Michael? Oh gosh. Um, I, I think the ending, I, I really like it because I think oh. the ending turned, I mean, I don't like it, but I like it right. in the way that it turns the episode around for me. I, you know, at the beginning I said this was a getting there episode and this will probably speak to my rating of it at the end as well. I think that this this kind of misdirect of the exorcism and the possession leading into this far darker element, which then lays the groundwork for the fact that Angel is, in a lot of ways, a darker show than Buffy, even though Buffy has its dark moments. It's yeah. the fact that Angel's life can never have the moments of lev- levity that Buffy and the Scoobies get. There's always going to be a darkness because the fight has to continue. And, you know, the fact that the evil in many ways in this episode gets away and they just have to make their peace with that. That's that's indicative of what this show is. And that I really just I love that darkness. I'm with Zach. I like the dark ending of this. Yeah. Yeah, that that's yeah, totally fair. Zach, what's your favorite scene? Everything Michael just said. Michael Variety from uh, uh Midnight Mass, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Michael. Uh Philip, what's your favorite scene? Um, I think it's gonna be the first attempt at the exorcism. Uh, where okay. the the demon is uh, speaking in Wesley's voice and getting under his skin. Um, oh, ah. that's, that's the name of the episode. Ah. Ah. Um, and you know, this is the first time that Wesley takes it in the neck, but not the last. It is not. I was thinking that too. Uh, I think my favorite. I. I agree with what everyone has said, but I think my favorite scene, just because I love her so much and it's a good beat, is Cordelia in the shop. But. I got two. I'm cheating. My other favorite would be the scene in the church with that nun because I did really like. Oh, that. She is great. She, yeah, she was serving. She was serving. And like a spe- Buffy was a little better with this, but Angel early on was not so good with the one-offs being good actors. The, like we mentioned, the mother in this. Like usually the characters that are like just there to be plot devices aren't that great. But I thought she was great, and I liked. I, again, I would. I wish Angel had to go to a church more often to like figure out something with a demon or whatever, because I found that kind of interesting. What grade do we give this episode, Zachary? Um, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be pretty positive with it. I think A minus for me. Ooh, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, Philip, I think. I mean, I, I can't remember what I rated the episodes I've been on for so far, but I think this might be the highest because <laughs> this is. It, it's you know, there's a mystery in this story uh but because it's not sort of stuck under all the tropes of like a cop show or a noir mm-hmm. or a procedural um and it's really much more a kind of classic horror story it, it the writing works for me in a way that none of the others have so i'm gonna <laughs> say b plus okay i just like these none of the others have <laughs> uh michael what grade do you give it 
Well, if I were grading this, like the watchers would be grading Wesley, I would say (laughs) there is a lot of room for improvement here. And much like I said, I think we're getting there, but we're not quite, although the, the final act really turned it around for me. So I'm going to say B minus with, uh, enthusiasm for the future. Michael, I have the same exact grade, B minus, because I do think, I do agree with you, Philip, that it's like, this one is better than the other standalones. It's not 100% there for me, but it is, I do like that we're getting there with the dynamics and they're they're kind of figuring out their footing, right? Because they had to revamp the show halfway through, not even halfway through, nine episodes in with the dynamics. And I do think they're figuring it out. And this Wesley's first episode is pretty good with like the dynamic and we're like getting there. And then this one feels pretty good too. Cause they kind of, at some points it's just like, yeah, he's part of the group, but they forget that it's supposed to be that he's new to the group. But you know, I have a question actually. Um, Has he been given a job yet? Yes. He was hired uh, at the end of one of these episodes, the prior to it. I forget which one, but it was like, it might even be the beginning where like, Oh wait, uh, it's um, she. The episode right oh, before this, right. yeah, right. Be- yes, yes, yes. Because because it, it was just like oh, and here comes Wesley again yeah. for no reason. And, and, okay, <laughs> so there's a, there's actually a reason for him to be hanging around now. Right. Okay, great. <laughs> right. Because I was trying to think. I was like, when does he ask if there is leftover food? And Angel knows it's because he's broke, but it's after Cordelia has that party, which is in she. Um. So yeah, he just got hired the episode before this. Thank you all for joining me. Thank yes. you. Thank, Thank you. you. For listening, if you like Slayer Fest 98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to us, give us a good rating. And uh, if you want to follow us, if you want to support us on Patreon, uh, you can do that. We are finishing Harley Quinn season two. We've got What If season one. Going back to that, uh, we're going to be covering what we do in the shadows and some other shows this month. Um, and uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we are at SlayerFestX98. If you want to follow me, I am at IanXCarlos. Philip, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me playing in traffic while my dad rides off into the <laughs> sunset with a nun. Um, also, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Philip underscore Ellis. You can find me on Instagram at Philip Ellis. And you can find me on Amazon uh, under Philip Ellis, or if you're in the UK, PJ Ellis, uh, where you can now pre-order my debut novel, Love and Other Scams. Yay! Yay. Um, and Zachary, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can search me on either Adventures of Zach and B, Coffee and Tequila, or the uh, horror talk show I do with my good buddy here, Ian, uh, my bloody Judy. Um, and uh, Michael, where can everyone find you and your podcast? Well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Michael Verratti and Midnight Mass obviously is wherever podcasts are found. We are on Twitter at Midnight Mass Pod. And for everything else, I'll just see you at the movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.